Welcome to the Keel Hauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today. So tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week is a very spoiler week. So just as a heads up, I'm going to be talking about the first tall tale for Monkey Island, Legend of Monkey Island. This was a beautifully done tall tale. I want to make sure that you know ahead of time that I want to cover this in full because next week I'm going to have the gold hoarders on and we're going to be talking about it regardless. So make sure that if you have not done the first tall tale, first off, why are you taking so long? Get out there and get it done. It doesn't take too long, but I want to cover it. I want to talk about it in whole and I want to be free to do that. So again, this is your spoiler warning. If you've played the tall tale and you don't mind listening to me talk about it, then sit back, relax. We'll have some fun. If not, come back afterwards and we'll we'll see how you uh, how you like it compared to what I thought. So with that, Pirates, let's get into it. But before I do that, I have to thank the patrons. They are the ones that went over to patreon.com forward slash keelhauled podcast, just like you can to support this content and me in the making of it. So I want to thank all the folks that uh, are still supporting that have supported in the past if you uh, have left for whatever reason i still appreciate the time that you gave me so but the people that are thanked today people's republic l cute balls bam bam bagel cam chonky chateau neuf super pack zombie killer cloud cosmic johnson static mirror da gaming which is brand new to the patreon thank you for joining up i appreciate it davram tv el jefe esteban fergatron godhammer six trickster jabaro five jorby jorbs carl embo kazia the aficionado nightstar lumpy srq evil morpheus space admiral ors xbox mike 29 murphy lives mutinous max norwegian raja the brave registella the brony pirate replicated flame rust belt kid skamel 666 captain dasm tommy d tn professor real big tuna big bad pad mina fairy Captain J. Rat of the Flaming Cold Sore, the Lore Chronologist Deadeye Dre, Hager Owl, Jeff H., Ghost Boy 20, Evil Martha, Peter Miller, Ruski Doo, Thor Von Blitz, Windsor Chris, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, who is actually, it's today, it's his first uh, one year anniversary for being a patron. Thank you so much. I'm going to see if I can call that out, by the way. I kind of want to do that. Uh, and then Zam, wow. Thank you all so much for your support. I really love you guys for helping out uh, with the podcast and helping take care of those costs. It means the world. Your support is well, much, much, much welcome. Uh, let's get into this episode, shall we? <laughs> First on today's docket, if you did not heed the warning in the beginning of the episode, you skipped forward, you didn't think that it was important, it was always the same, even though I record them every single week, every single week I do a live recording of that opening, uh, I wanted to let you know that on the 28th, going to the 31st, Sea of Thieves is having those Twitch drops. This is your reminder to make sure to get in there and get your Twitch drops. Kicking off with the 28th, there are four drops. They are the Eastern Winds Ruby set. It is the bucket, lantern, shovel, and speaking trumpet. You have to do an hour's worth before you can claim the first drop. You then have to claim that drop and then work towards the second item for that next hour. Remember, you can go out and get the automatic Twitch uh, extension for Chrome. There's a couple 
couple others out there that also do auto claims. So all you have to do is when the actual uh, Twitch drops go live, find a viewer that's going or find a streamer that is going to be doing drops that's going to have them for a while. Make sure that you keep the tab open. Twitch is starting to do some really heinous things, by the way. If you have more than two tabs open for Twitch, the viewers do not count or the viewer count doesn't work for all of those Twitch streamers. So if you have more than one or two open, um, it should be fine. But if you go beyond two and you go three or four tabs, uh, the viewer count doesn't necessarily work for them. Twitch is getting a little more heavy handed with people just lurking. So very strange, but shouldn't impact how you claim these. Just wanted to give you all a little bit of background behind what's going on. If you start to notice people talking about why it's only good to have like a couple tabs open for twitch streamers and stuff plus honestly you don't really claim them any faster if you have multiple streams open so just to kind of keep that uh in in the foresight there um i really wanted to to shout out before i get into the episode uh the pirate emporium again has some free emotes available make sure that you're getting in there you're claiming those additionally this is going to be the last episode before the final episode of the the community episode for the end of the month and i want to make sure that you guys are paying attention to your ledgers because this is going to be the last one for this season. This is the last month that you're going to be able to have. Well, actually, I don't know. August should probably technically count because season 10 is going to launch in August, uh, but not before August. So you should be able to have technically one more month, if I if I recall correctly, how that system works um, before the new ledgers reset, before the new emissary ledgers reset and you get those new drops. Uh, so just as a heads up there, reminder to get in there, get your ledgers done if you need to do those, uh, if, if you want to get those items for the different trade companies. The other little thing that I wanted to draw attention to was the fact that there have been quite a few different sites picking up the Sea of Thieves Monkey Island collaboration. Uh, I saw an article from Eurogamer talking about it. There was also GameSpot uh, in CG Magazine. Um, a lot of folks are kind of talking about Sea of Thieves and the Monkey Island content. And I got to say, it's really nice to see that. Uh, you know, I, I see that from time to time, especially with like Windows Central, um, some of the more uh, European centric uh, sites tend to cover Sea of Thieves just due to the nature of Rare being a UK-based studio. And it's nice to see that they are still getting attention. You know, this is one of the biggest content drops, I would say, for Sea of Thieves since A Pirate's Life, one that could really draw attention to it due to the nature of the history of the games and the lineage that they have. Uh, it's just good to see like some other folks kind of out there talking about Sea of Thieves um, when right now it's it's there's not really a whole lot going on, uh, especially in the Xbox gaming sphere. You know, we've had a couple games launch, but nothing too major, nothing that I would say like would be drowning out a lot of the um, discussion to be had had around monkey island especially given that it's right before gamescom and additionally before like starfield and forza motorsport so i was just it was nice to see some folks getting in there and talking about it i know joe scrubbles had a really amazing uh article talking about sea of thieves that i, I want to get to later because there were some interesting tidbits of information from that interview uh that actually would 
kind of pertain to adventure, kind of enriching the the actual um, base game itself, you know, that sandbox that we play in every single day. So I'll probably talk about that a little bit after my thoughts on the first Tall Tale. That way there's a little more context as to what I thought of the Tall Tale, plus gives folks an opportunity to play it um, without having to worry about any kind of spoilers I would say because some of the things in that article I would consider spoilers so that way folks will have an opportunity to play through the tall tale they'll be able to actually uh, listen to the rest of this podcast and then that way they'll hear my thoughts on the uh, the Xbox Wire article that came after that I think will really help kind of Sea of Thieves in general in the future. So getting into the first tall tale of The Legend of Monkey Island, uh, I now understand why it is called The Legend of Monkey Island. And after playing Secret of Monkey Island and getting through a majority of the second game, uh, I have to say that I'm really happy. Uh, and, and actually, I did get to play Return to Monkey Island as well, too, which was a very fascinating playthrough uh, going through that first because I got a lot of context um, behind like Guybrush and whatnot. But it doesn't really convey just how interesting the games are unless you actually play through the original ones. Uh, so getting to The Legend of Monkey Island, I have to say this is probably rare at its finest. Um, I think there's only been one issue that has really come up uh, with most people's playthroughs. Most people have been able to get through the, the game and, and actually accomplish everything without too much trouble i think there's maybe like one or two things that i think people have looked at and said like oh you know this is a little tough uh but it was really kind of awesome to get to see them kind of create this this is the first tall tale that we've had since pirate's life and uh you can tell that they have gone in and put a lot of love and uh consideration when it comes to this game right off the bat you get introduced to kate capstan or no capsize uh who is is from the second game and is a kind of a mercenary or a freelance uh boater and gets blamed for guy uh crimes um and then has to serve time she eventually ends up uh going after guy brush and finds her her you know finds his trail and starts chasing after him um trying to get revenge for what he did to her at which point he follows her or no she follows him as he and elaine are sailing on the sea monkey uh after they'd just been married to go to sea of thieves to be able to have their honeymoon something that the pirate lord actually invited them to go do for reasons we don't really understand but it's just you know a way to kind of progress the story uh or, or at least kind of introduce the the reason why this is all kind of happening uh the interesting thing that i thought about this was um this was really funny for me giving that I've been playing through the games and seeing like the just married through the game. I thought it was really funny if it would be a way to like name a galleon. So seeing the actual galleon with the just married on that, that was, it was amazing to actually see that. And I really like how this tall tale, after you talk to uh, Kate, um, you vote on the, the book, which is right next to her, which was surprisingly hard to actually like for, for some reason that I thought you had to talk to her the way we talked to Lorena. Uh, but it was really nice to kind of get things going. Uh, the pirate Lord kind of comes out and says, Hey, you know, they've been missing fear that something's going on, something devious. Uh, let's send you to the sea of the damned, um, to be able to like, uh, go after Guybrush because, uh, Ramsey had, for whatever reason, invited them in and then couldn't find them. And then started asking around the sea of the damned when he ran into Kate, uh, who, if, you all remember was the Easter egg in the first Pirate's Life Tall Tale uh, down in the actual tavern or, or not the tavern, but the um, 
kind of the the shipwreck town where you find the cursed captain there's a galleon off to the edge and you find out that that was actually kate capstan's uh i think it's the headless monkey i think it's the headless monkey um where you, you see like her her desire to go after guybrush uh really love this it's such a great nod to what's already been introduced but additionally building off of that and introducing more from the actual franchise really great way to do it the the the, you know the story MacGuffin there being that he invited Guybrush and Elaine to come into the Sea of Thieves for their honeymoon that's all kind of it's it's interesting to kind of think about that but um Having you get to the actual Sea of the Damned and opening up the the actual tall tale uh, was really awesome. I got to say, like the, you get kicked into the Sea of the Damned and typically you would have that moment where you're sailing through the, the quote unquote tunnel, right? With uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff. And there's going to be a little bit of voiceover. You know, they've got the narrator for the Pirates of the Caribbean ride kind of explaining what's going on or, or you know, like beware, you know, these are the, the you know, things that you kind of the warning signs for the actual ride, uh, which is great. But in this case, you actually get to hear Guy Brush's voice. He's narrating his diary and he's actually talking about what happened as you're getting in there. So even if you didn't pay attention to anything that happened before you sailed into that portal, you've not now got Guy Brush narrating it for you. And I actually really love this approach. This is a great way to do storytelling in a, in a 3D space that isn't just a cinematic. Uh, and I really hope that they take this approach and apply it to pretty much everything like they've done a fairly good job with this with the adventures i hope that they continue to do this with any tall tales that come in the future it's funny how in the past we've talked about how we want more tall tales and how come the adventures aren't more like tall tales and they said that they would never say no to tall tales but they want to move forward the story with uh, adventures very interesting that that whole thing was like ah well you're kind of working on tall tales but you're just not saying it uh, but really good that they that they didn't because I actually really like that. Um, my gosh, the the opening sequence that you actually sail up into after Guybrush's ship sails by, after LeChuck's ship sails by, um, you don't load into another screen. You've already loaded into what you need to, but it kind of pulls you into um, the the melee island atmosphere and the. The lighting changes. It's very interesting. The lighting changes feels like an old game uh, with a blue and a green. It's like just two different hues. Uh, so it's kind of like old, old computer style graphics for some reason. It's what pops into my head. Um, but as you're sailing up to Melee Island, not only do you have the flourish of music on Monkey Island, which is fantastic. My God, I'm going to be talking about the music a lot this episode. Uh, but then you get that you get that little shooting star. You get that little Disney shooting star that shoots over the, <laughs> the island and I swear, man, it was like, ah, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but man, it's hard to, it's hard to not see a shooting star arc over a big peak in the middle of the distance on a, on a uh, blue sky night and think, yeah, that's Disney. Yeah, we see what's going on here. But man, the, uh, the music intro was perfect. It, it ends as you sail up to the actual dock uh, and then it kind of goes quiet. And I thought that was very interesting um, just because be, because you don't really have a whole lot of atmosphere. But in the game or in the tall tale for the rest of the thing, you actually do have a lot of uh, atmosphere um, overall. So uh, right off the bat, fantastic job with the music. After playing through the first game and becoming very accustomed to the different 
environments that the first game offers you. You have very set pe- or set set pieces. Very, it's <laughs> a weird way to say it. The set pieces are are very locked in. You know, they're they're two D things, and you switch from one scene to the next. It loads an entire background. Uh, to be able to explore that in a three D space, I think was uh, exceptionally done or done exceptionally well. It was amazing to see them kind of find out how they wanted to populate certain areas that realistically never existed like you just had to build out some of this stuff and some of the thought behind just what they had originally which was just the 2d backgrounds and then to build that out in 3d and make it feel natural and and also very representative of the games was uh beautifully done i i have to say is some of the best design work the environment team has ever done um with maybe the exception well oh gosh it's so hard to say that because it sounds so hyperbolic but genuinely i'm impressed with the transition from 2d to 3d that the team has done it's one thing to to, to go to do like uh you know uh, uh, shores of gold or heart of fire or pirates of the caribbean ride uh and see the island but to actually be in a in a island where everything is planned out everything is designed ahead of time and you have to try and understand how that's going to be represented in 3d not only did they do a good job with giving you the map of melee island with important points of interest in the actual tall tale guide that cat gives you or uh, cat gives you um but they also did this uh, did a really good job of, of just kind of having a very general layout so it's not too difficult and having the first tall tale actually just be half of melee island uh in retrospect i was kind of sad that i couldn't go actually explore more of it but after seeing how much is actually available just in the first tall tale i think this is a very smart way to kind of prop up the rest of the story um because it gives you a small kind of big end entry uh, like beginning, middle, and end. You you understand kind of the flow of what's going to happen and the puzzles that are going to be involved with it. So having it just kind of set up the rest of the story, I think they've done a very good job. And you can kind of see a certain areas where you know you're going to be moving forward to in the future Tall Tales, uh, but not having access to that, I think was rather well done. Um, it, it's, it's definitely very connected to what the Sea of the Damned is. Before I kind of dive into my thoughts on Scum Bar, um, which is a central hub for the actual Tall Tale, I have to say, again, the music for this Tall Tale was beautiful. It was well thought out. The audio engineers did an exceptional job designing how to present the audio. Because once you actually finish up that main kind of theme going into Melee Island, it is very interesting that you can sit on the dock there and have it be completely silent. The only time you actually run into audio after that point is when you go over to Scum Bar, which is right next to the dock that you pull up to. And as soon as you get up to the closed door, you can hear the music as well as the ruckus going on behind that door. Once you open up that door, you can walk inside and be a wash of the full 
music that comes from scum bar the music is is beautiful and as you transition from the main front entry area where most of the people are and most of the noise is into the area where the pirate leaders are the music quiets down and becomes more subdued uh and i'll get into even more about that later on in in uh that but once you've done that once you've actually opened up that scum bar door once you head back outside now the world has that atmospheric music it's almost as if you you leaving the door open has allowed for all of that noise or or you know all of that that uh music to come out and fill the rest of the atmosphere and from then that point on anytime you're anywhere close to the scum bar you will hear that music as a very low kind of tone like it's it's a very low subtle thing just kind of in the background reminding you of what area you're actually in and i gotta say it's it's absolutely brilliant and to kind of jump ahead there's a part where you'll actually get a chef's outfit again this is all spoiler so don't get upset at me if you're if you're like oh my gosh i can't believe you told me about the about the the chef's outfit once you actually get access to the uh chef's room which i think you can get right off the bat but there's a part later on in in the actual puzzles where you have to you know create a, a, a an item to feed to dogs and stuff like that but um it's really interesting that even just transitioning from where the main area of the pirates are where it's the loudest where there's the most commotion going on over to the pirate lore or pirate leader area where it's a little more subdued but you can still hear it and they've added like a little bit of the fire crackle uh moving into the actual chef galley that noise that is in the galley is so quiet it's just a couple instruments very light little notes uh just keeping that theme running in the background but so much quieter that they you can tell and it, and it really is like you go in once you cross the threshold of that door into the actual galley you can tell the music has shifted there's a little more focus it's not quite as noisy you can think about what you're doing and you can tell that they really wanted to make sure that there was a distinction from where you were even just within that one building and that theme that concept traverses the rest of the uh, tall tale so I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that, but just know that regardless of where you are in the game, the music will subtly shift based on where you're at, not only within the tall tale, but also within the story of the tall tale. So I have to, I have to hand it off or hand, hand the, uh, the audio team, the audio engineers, Robin Beanland, uh, you know you know chloe they've all done just a fantastic job creating this johnny all of them they've, they've done just an amazing job um and i really love that you just you you're kind of immersed in it but there's a period right after you dock before you open the scum bar where it's just kind of on that precipice you know it's kind of like waiting for a movie to begin there's that silence and then the music kicks up or the you know the movie starts and you have that either a cold opening or you know, an introduction to your characters and stuff like that. And that's what opening that scum bar door is to me. And I think that that was just a very magical, a very well thought out idea that, you know, unless you're actually like listening for it, it could just be such a natural thing. You don't even notice it. There was even more of that. Uh, even when you, when you go into the proper town area of Melee Island, um, when you go in, you can, you can start to hear like those steel drums kind of announcing a little bit of the melody 
and it changes. But even when you go past that, when you go past the shop on your way to uh, the mansion and you're passing past the shop, but uh, around where like the church is, you just you barely get that little little bit of violin in there or a fiddle, uh, if you will. And, and it's just it's so light that you can kind of hear it. And because of the directional hearing in Sea of Thieves, because they've engineered it so well, you can tell that it's kind of off to your right and you're not quite sure what it is. And it kind of gives you an idea that you need to go investigate it because it's the only only area in the town that that actually happens. And when you do, that's when you actually get to really kind of recognize some new characters and stuff like that. But I got to say, they've done just a fantastic job with the audio. It's Bar, by far like one of the most amazing things about Sea of Thieves in general, but with this tall tale, they killed it. They understood the assignment and they just absolutely made it so amazing. Can't wait to hear what the rest of the tall tale sound like. Um, Talking about some of the things that I wrote down while I was playing through it, uh, there's a subtle hint when talking to Estevan about how Guybrush is the greatest pirate who ever lived. Uh, th that was interesting to, to me because it does kind of acknowledge that it was past tense where right now it seems like when you talk to any of the pirates, they are all living as if they're on the actual melee island. This isn't just a memory to them, which kind of begs the question to me, especially given later on in the tall tale, when you talk to uh, the the um, cursed captain who says that the 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 people that are in melee island don't understand the sea of thieves they won't be impressed by uh skeleton lords or the 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 uh, pirate lord or things like that you know like that doesn't phase them and they'll think that you're either a fool or lying or both he says and i think it was really interesting to hear from estevan that guybrush is past tensed the the greatest pirate who ever lived kind of suggesting that we are in the Sea of the Damned. This is Guybrush. He is technically lost here, and he's not the only one. So I wonder how that all plays out. I'm very curious to find out, like, because of this, what world is Pendragon living in, in the Sea of the Damned? Is he lost in his own memory? And if so, what does that look like? But anyway, I thought it was really interesting. Um, Some of the one... Some of the things, and maybe this is a good opportunity, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the pieces of eight. Because uh, I think, if anything, if there was ever a flaw to uh, to, to throw at this tall tale, um, I would have to say that the pieces of eight are the thing that, while I understand the reasoning behind it, um, it was definitely a pain point for a lot of folks uh, and something that I think that they need to, that they could address. Uh, so if you've been running around in the tall tale, you may have noticed that there are pieces of eight. And this is alluded to as well as well as talked about um, on how to earn pieces of eight. First off, they're pieces of eight. They're silver because uh, of cursed gold. Now, I, I don't think that this is a Monkey Island reference, but I'm also willing to bet that it is, and I just don't know about it yet because I haven't played through all the games. Um, but it also feels like a Pirates of the Caribbean thing, or maybe Pirates of the Caribbean took it from Monkey Island. It's it's hard to know where the, the origination of this kind of thing always happens, but uh, for whatever reason, uh, they, they had cursed gold, and as a result, they switched over to pieces of eight, which is silver. And in... Monkey Island on Melee Island, um, 
you can find these on barrels. Uh, you can open boxes and find bags that have varying amounts of them as well, too. You will always be able to buy everything that is available for purchase, but you do have to progress past certain points to be able to find the rest of the pieces of eight to be able to do that. And I want to say that one thing I noticed was certain pieces of eight have a glimmer from a distance now if you know if, if if you've ever seen a piece of loot from a distance and see a thieves you understand what little shine or little glimmer i'm talking about some of them have that others don't and the bags most certainly do not because i don't think i've ever seen any of the of the times that i've played through this i have never seen a bag glimmer um, some of the bags you'll be able to find on different uh different um, shelves some of them are going to be in boxes. Some of them will just be on barrels. Um, one thing that was confirmed over Twitter uh, this day or today actually was is that the locations can be random, but the amount is certain and you will always be able to have a certain number over you what you will need up until the very end of the game when you you will actually have to go and find all of them um i thought that this is something that could get fixed i think that the glimmer should be something something that's actually present on every single piece uh and should be just a tad bit noticeable uh for everyone who's kind of out there looking like i ran by a couple just today that i genuinely did not see and it wasn't because I wasn't looking, it was because there wasn't a glimmer and I just didn't catch it. Uh, now, as I had kind of wandered around, I did find myself again, this playthrough, um, beyond just what I did the first time, having to like go from barrel to barrel to barrel, knowing what I was looking for, but just having to actually kind of like dig that out. Now, is that a big deal? No, I don't think it's a big deal. It's asking you to go find stuff. It's not a it's not a huge headache for you to be able to do this unless it's an accessibility issue, which in this case this is. But there's still a lot of a lot of things that are not accessible for folks that have trouble uh, seeing in Sea of Thieves, you know, or seeing in in general. Um, one thing I do want to talk about as far as the actual uh, like economy for uh, the pieces of eight, this was really well thought out. Um, the first thing you can buy is the chef's uniform at 45 pieces of eight. The next thing that you can buy is the tri-headed monkey at 60. Then you can buy the fuses at 70. And then the history book is at 200. So they've really thought about making sure that if you are playing through the game and you want to progress it, the first thing that you need to get to be able to start progressing through the puzzle to open up different areas is that chef's uniform and i really appreciate that because that is kind of a, a guarantee that folks are going to be able to pick up the thing that they can first just due to how hard it is to find uh pieces of eight around the game um the other thing that i wanted to touch on was the fact that uh one of the bags of pieces of eight that you have to get is um actually up at lookout point and when I was actually going and going to the uh, when, I, when I went down the alleyway to where the, the piranha poodles were and I found the violin uh, guard who was on break kind of sitting there tormenting the dogs uh, with the, the violin or the fiddle. I'm not sure which one it is. Um, 
it was interesting because he actually had a bag of pieces of eight next to him. And if you go and actually grab that or try to steal from him, it will say that you cannot steal from attentive pirates. And that's just one little subtle hint that says like, hey, if you want to steal something from someone, they can't be attentive. You have to distract them. You have to knock them out somehow. And that actually plays into the rest of the tall tale. Uh, when you go up to lookout point, one of the things I really loved about this was that the lookout kind of explains what their job is. And obviously this is a great call back to the games where the lookout is a blind guy who was appointed by the sheriff and <laughs> told him to keep an eye out for ships. So obviously the, 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 the blind guy at the top of lookout point um, can't see LeChuck sailing in. It's, it's just a, you know, really, really interesting way that they went about it, but a very good callback. And one of the things that you do is you say, Hey, there's a ship. And he disconnects from the actual um, like dialogue options that are going on and turns around and looks out for a ship. And that is when you actually have distracted the attentive pirate and you can steal his bag of gold or a piece of eight. And I really that was such a it was a, such a really brilliant moment. To, it was a nice, satisfying moment when you worked out how to be able to get that bag of pieces of eight, because it is crucial to be able to actually getting the uh, the chef's clothing. Um, the next thing that I wanted to cut, kind of touch on with this, and I'm kind of jumping around here on my notes, so I do apologize if this feels kind of disjointed, but talking to the NPCs in this tall tale, for the first time ever, we have talking NPCs, not just kind of like the initial, hey, or not just the not interactive cinematic kind of moment where the NPCs are talking to you, but it is an it's an adventure and you're just kind of there absorbing it. This is the first time that all of the dialogue options for all of the NPCs has been fully voiced. And what a great way to convey story than to actually have the NPCs talk to you, knowing that you're there and actually communicating with you as opposed to it just being one of those things where you're reading through a bunch of dialogue options. Um, nothing kind of uh, is it, nothing's harder than trying to focus on reading something when you're really excited to just play through something. You're actually really excited to just go through and actually start doing puzzles and stuff like that. So having someone actually narrate all that not only gives a little more life to the character that you're talking to, uh, but it's also a great way to, to offer up information without it just being a journal. Um, and one of the things that this tall tale does not have is journals. And uh, we kind of traded journals for pieces of eight in this instance as far as pain points. But um, if, it, if you had to find something, at least it was tied to a puzzle. But not having journals in this, uh, I think, was a brilliant idea. I think it was a, a, a much needed change from the current uh, tall tale system and allowed you to actually just kind of be immersed in this world. And it works really, really well. So please continue with that. No, no negatives about that at all. One of the things that I liked speaking about the NPCs was is that the NPCs weren't just static characters. You know, they were they were actually characters that you could interact with and impact. Um, and and after you had actually gotten the uh, chef's uniform, you go and you talk to the chef, and the chef says, "All right, now that you're here, I'm taking a break." And then it's up to you to come up with uh, working out the puzzle that is the recipe, and. I didn't notice this at first. I was thinking about this the first time I played through it about like, oh, I wonder if you can fish. 
So I pulled out my fishing rod like while we were waiting for Creo to, to reconnect and started fishing and found red herrings. And it just absolutely killed me. I was like, oh my God, this is hilarious because one of the items in the first monkey island was a red herring that you had to give to a troll that was guarding a bridge who wanted something of import uh, but fascinating nothing nonetheless and as soon as you give him the red herring not only does he he let you through the bridge uh, but then you, he pulls off his troll head to reveal that it's like George Lucas underneath, which was just absolutely hilarious. So to be able to fish in Sea of Thieves uh, and on Melee Island naturally and come up with red herring <laughs> was absolutely brilliant. Uh, but then I found out that the red herring had a point, even though it was also pointless. Um, the red herring is part of the recipe that you have to use to to create the root beer infused meat that you have to feed the poodle piranhas to be able to take out the guard that is on break so that you, it, it goes into it's a whole flow chart but i absolutely loved that you had to add a red herring to the recipe for no reason at all <laughs> it's just so great i absolutely really love that such a, a brilliant way to kind of uh, pay homage again to the to the game that you know for all intents and purposes if you didn't play through the game it would not detract at all it would be funny um, and they did a really good job of kind of indicating that you needed to do this uh, because if you had walked by the scum bar you would have seen that there's a little seagull which is another reference poking at a fish and when you get into the actual uh, galley with the chef he goes on break and if you look next to that door there is a door key and you open up the door and as soon as you walk out there is a prompt to use your fishing pole very brilliantly done i love the design very smart thank you give me the contextual clues at that moment when it is the most important not earlier on where i may forget about it very well done uh even though we had a bunch of red herring like hanging out anywhere which by the way you can pick up and, and drop the fact that you can pick up and drop fish, the fact that you could pick up and drop anything in this tall tale. I think there's two things about this that I really love. One, it's it, it all takes place in the Sea of Thieves, uh, or excuse me, in the Sea of the Damned. So it's all siloed off. So if you drop something, it's not too bad because it'll respawn wherever it, wherever it originally uh, came from so that you can always go back to it. The other thing is, is that you can pick up items and use them the way that was originally prototyped in the uh in the the oh i forgot the name of the engine what was the name of the engine before they went to unreal unity uh yeah i think it was unity so they used kind of items in the unity prototype where it was like everyone had a compass or one person had the compass and you had to pick up the compass and then you had to put it down if you didn't want to use it and you wanted to use something else and people could take the compass and steal it or people could take your compass and hide it somewhere and them bringing that style of mechanic back i think is largely in part to the fact that this is a completely siloed off experience no one can interfere with you so there it's easy enough for them to build in respawn points for these items if you get away from them for too long so i really appreciate that and it was really interesting to to actually have like one of the tools that you use is a hammer uh and that hammer is one person holding the hammer if you have multiple crew members only one person gets the hammer it's not just something that's on your quest radio that everyone has access to one person has the hammer they have to figure out what to do with it or they have to put it down so someone else can wander around and figure out what to do with it um the one 
thing that I will say was a little bit of a bummer was that that hammer is equal to a piece of treasure, uh, much like Murray. Murray is considered a piece of treasure. If you take Murray to your ship and you put him down there, it says it registers it as uh, treasure um, uh, placed aboard your ship, which was really funny. And also you can actually bury Murray when you actually get him, uh, which then gives you the opportunity to see the the map of Melee Island, which is a little bit of a, a, a little bit of an issue with I don't I don't know if the team like they thought about like what the map for Melee Island needed to be like it shows it but there's clear that, that was not intended <laughs> when when the first tall tale came out because there's a couple little a couple little weird parts down at the bottom of that island that I don't think were intended to look the way they do. But you can bury Murray. You can bury Murray in the sand, and uh, it will give you a map for that. Um, th- one of the sad things is, is that he doesn't respond to you doing it at all. I think it would have been hilarious if you could bury Murray, and he's sitting there muffling his uh, his revenge uh, or, or his his intended revenge for you because of it. But he doesn't. Um, so a little bummer there. But um, how did I get on to? that oh oh so the the physical items being physical items in the game i like that i think it was really great the only problem is is that if i were to take the uh hammer i want to be able to swing the hammer i want to be able to actually use the hammer on the item that i need to to be able to break open what it is i need to break open instead of it just being like one of those items like a key where it is a a clear indication like oh i have a key in my hand i take the key and then the key floats over to the lock unlocks the door and the door swings open uh i would like to have a little more physicality with that we do so well with sea of thieves having to bucket water having to bury items having to swing your sword having to reload your gun uh things like keys things like the hammer some of those are still kind of in that nebulous oh i'm playing a video game situation that i'm hoping with more time, with more development, um, building out those tools or, or readdressing those things, it will help kind of add a little bit more to the idea that, oh, yes, this is a game, but it's doing everything that it can to make it feel like you are actually interacting with those objects. You're not just clicking a button and watching the action happen. A um, little bit of feedback, just my personal opinion. The one thing that I did want to touch on as now that I'm kind of talking about the uh, the crate and the hammer and that kind of stuff, uh, I really loved one of the old mechanics from the Pirates of the Caribbean that realistically has not been brought to adventure, which is a, a crying shame, but I understand why it hasn't because it's kind of a one-off thing. Uh, but the crate that is down in the water that you have to raise up, um, we were trying to do this on Thursday and as we were kind of trying to raise it up, uh, Carrillo was talking about how he couldn't winch up the actual crate. And it, and it took me a little while to kind of understand like what was going on because we had lined up the hook well. Uh, we had had it at the right level and we had it at the right angle, uh, but you couldn't winch it up. And it wasn't until I kind of swam around the crate a couple of times when I noticed the ropes on the actual um, pallet were were frayed and it looks like the frayed ropes from a pirates of the caribbean uh the first fall first fall tale the first tall tale fall snails by the way uh so i i tried to cut them and as soon as i cut them that's when Carrillo could actually winch up the crate so 
I really like that. It's a subtle thing that if you're not paying attention to or you haven't done the first Tall Tales, that would be one stopping point I could see for folks because it's one of those things where if you had never played through A Pirate's Life, Tall Tales, nowhere in the game will you ever see frayed rope that you can cut. And I could be wrong on that. If, if you can tell me where in adventure there is a frayed rope that you can cut with your sword uh, that that you've run into naturally um, without playing through A Pirate's Life, I will, I will happily apologize for this statement, but there is a little bit of a design flaw there indicating that they assume that you've already played through A Pirate's Life and you may be coming to Sea of Thieves just for Monkey Island and that mechanic is not indicated or, or represented anywhere before that. So it's it's tough to know like what's going on there if you've never played through them. So I think after a certain amount of time, if you're around that crate and you haven't cut the... Um, cut the ropes, there should be a little pop-up, kind of the way that the pop-up shows up for the fishing pole when you walk behind the chef's uh, thing that says, hey, these ropes can get cut because that right there is, is, is something that I think was a clever way of using past mechanics, but not something prevalent in adventure enough for people to know unless they remember it from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, moving on to one of the other things, talking about the environment. Um, I had heard that there were secret locations where you could get memories. And boy, I loved this as someone who just recently played through the Monkey Island games. Um, having the kind of quote unquote secret areas. First off, the way to find them, look for ink wells, which if you're not sure what an ink well is, it's just a jar that has ink with a little feather in it that you use as a as a, uh, a quill to you know write stuff down as I'm moving with my right hand, even though I'm left-handed. Uh, but to find these ink wells, and then there will be a sit prompt near them. Um, if you're not sure where it is, could be a little bit higher, could be a little bit lower than where you're at. So just kind of look around for that sit prompt. But when you sit in that prompt, you get a bit of narration from Guybrush kind of talking about the location. And it, it kind of reminds me of one of those guided tours, you know, when you're going around and people are like, if you look to your right, you'll see the mansion for Guybrush Three Rule, the legend of Pirate of Monkey Island. If you look to your left, you'll see the church that they, uh, uh, Guybrush had defeated LeChuck and married uh, Elaine in, or, you know, like that, those kind of moments in the the game, knowing that what they're doing is showing you the view so when you sit down, you see the view of the area that you're looking at. That is a recreation from the 2D scene in the games. And to have that was really just a, a testament to the care and consideration that they had for the original games. Now, it's obvious why that is, you know, knowing the team and how much love they have for Monkey Island and seeing the, uh, the, the, the connections between... <laughs> Stuff that has happened in Monkey Island and stuff that has happened in Sea of Thieves is clear. There are most definitely players in Sea of Thieves that are kind of based off of characters in Monkey Island. Um, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be very impressed if someone can tell me that I'm wrong and point to a better reference. But to have those uh, around the the actual island was really well thought out. And uh, I'm, I'm only disappointed by one 
that wasn't there, but I can understand like it's a little bit tougher to do. And that's lookout point. Uh, there is like one little and, and it's a tough thing to get to, but there's one little lamppost that you can get out to that kind of gives you that that vantage point of lookout point from the game uh, from the original game that um, you could have made into one of those secret points. And there was an actual sitting position up at lookout point that actually didn't do anything so i was very curious about why that one was there that didn't tie to a memory but was still something that was it was not like prevalent unless you actually walked up to it uh but overall the like the memories the little little vignettes that they created by having those specific positions very beautifully done very happy to see that they've been able to uh to create those and 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 have reference for the original game uh one thing i do want to touch on real quick captain coco is better than wilson this is not up for debate but i thought it was worth mentioning for those of you out there thinking oh man coco was cool Coco beats the living daylights out of Wilson. So I, I'm sure there's some Tom Hanks fans out there. You know, we call our castaway chests Tom Hanks, uh, you know, good film, but uh, nothing beats Captain Coco. Um, and if you don't know the reference again, I don't know how you made it through this episode so far without being spoiled on who Captain Coco is because you didn't play it. But Captain Coco is the best. And uh, I, I, I really hope that... <laughs> This is so dumb. I really hope that we get uh, one of the the um, one of the uh, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting the name of stuff? I'm so bad with stuff like this, but I hope we get one of the uh, the shipwrights. There we go. I got there eventually. I hope we get one of the shipwrights to make a figurehead in honor of Captain Coco. <laughs> but also at the same time, I kind of want a furniture store somewhere either on Melee Island or in the Sea of Thieves or just a reference to it. How like the shipwrights were like, well, I had to help out this Captain Coco making a furniture uh, shop, but they didn't take care of it very well and it ended up breaking down. So all that's left is a couple of tables and stools over in the corner there. And you just never hear about, you know, the 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 sudden but inevitable downfall of Captain Coco's furniture store. Like something like that would just be hilarious. And I really hope that Rare comes up with something fun like that. Maybe that's something I'll do. Maybe I'll just go find like a whole bunch of stools and uh, just have people dressed up as barrels uh, and, and just like <laughs> have them around like a bunch of tables and just like Photoshop Captain uh captain coco's um face like over it and just do it like a like a big old youtube ad that's like come down to captain coco's uh afford or reasonably affordable furniture store <laughs> something dumb like that i'll have to do that i'm sure at some point but uh maybe not like right away um let's see what else did i write down here oh the cute monkey toy the oh, the tri-headed monkey toy and the little squeaks that it does when you drop it are adorable oh my gosh why isn't rare selling it i pete heinz adam park gentlemen i love you what are you doing with your job where i cannot buy a tri-headed monkey plush from the rare store seriously i don't know who you got to talk to i'm sure it's probably you know it'll reach out to the squishables people or uh i can't even think it, it's it has to be done like get it licensed Talk to Lucasfilm or Arts or whatever they are now. How come how come we don't have a, a purchasable plush 
tri-headed monkey that squeaks like this just needs to be a thing uh i don't know maybe i'll have to figure out how to sew and make one myself but i love that um something that you may want to go do that you may not have done is with some of the different actually pretty much all of the items that you can pick up they all have custom radial uh uh like pirate talk things so you know how you can pick up an item and you say uh i'm moving the chest of legends uh or or protect me i'm a um i'm a pirate legend as you're carrying items and stuff like that the uh the talk the pirate talk radial for the specific items in uh melee are fantastic and a perfect references to the game. I absolutely love them. I especially love the uh, the tri-headed monkey plush toy that you can get because it says, ah, oh, uh, try uh, look out behind you or, or uh, I'm moving the tri-headed or I'm moving the uh, the monkey plush toy and stuff. And I just, I, I really love those. I had a good time going through each of the different items and seeing them. Um, what, uh, was it Squiffy? No, Squip, Squiffy, Squidgy. I can't remember the dog's name. I feel like I need to look it up now. Hold on. Spiffy. I looked it up. It's Spiffy. So uh, first off, great reference to the original game with Spiffy and being able to say like certain dogs uh, or certain words uh, that, you know, like <laughs> buyer's remorse, you know, stuff like that was absolutely hilarious. But uh, going through and, and, and talking to Spiffy, um, was really just, it was, it was worth it. It's one of the accommodations as well too. So there's four that you can do, uh, before you give Spiffy the squeak toy. There's one that you can get as you give him the squeak toy. And then there's one after you've completed everything, but before you leave the tall tale that you can go and get afterwards as well too that's how you get all six um one of the things i actually really liked uh was that you can talk to murray and the cursed captain um while they're on the walls but once you trade out murray for the uh Co captain coco uh you can then talk to the cursed captain as well who's very happy about the fact that you've removed uh murray from the wall because now he can start working on his solo career <laughs> it's just really brilliant i absolutely love the cursed captain i'm so glad that he's back because you can tell there's there's the influences there man you can't you can't tell me that doesn't happen as a result of monkey island but i absolutely love that um make sure that y'all are taking murray on the guided tour um and the locations are effectively the shops and the buildings so there's lookout point there's the dock uh there's a scum bar um there's like wally's which wally not even in this which was very interesting i was actually expecting wally's shop to open up uh as a result of of us getting rid of the guards but he's not there um so very curious to see what happens with that hopefully later in the game you run into him uh because he's probably gonna have to give you a map to get to monkey island because i can't imagine that uh guy brush is going to be able to help us out with that um but uh wally's shop is one uh as far as i know um you've got uh, uh the the voodoo ladies shop is one as well too there's the actual shop which is one the church i believe the alleyway and then the uh, and then the jail is the last of, of those major ones. But effectively, just make sure you're going out there. You're walking around with Murray uh, when he pops up with a little bit of dialogue. That's usually the indicator that you've reached a location that is part of the guided tour. Um, but there's nothing besides that that you have to do. You just kind of have to wander around with him 
and the the worst of it is is literally just going up to lookout point because it's the longest to get up there i will say that having that trek up to lookout point uh made me wonder if lookout point is technically the highest point that sea of thieves has ever had outside of like the main spire in the game but you can't traverse up to that top point um i wonder if lookout point is technically technically the highest that you can get up to uh to actually like look around and see something from sea of thieves maybe not i'd love to know it's just one of those things i'm thinking about like you know shores of gold higher is is plunder uh valley higher is um gosh maybe the 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 towers the uh, lighthouses in a pirate's life tall tale like what is the highest point in sea of thieves that you can actually get up to without a cannon um that i'm thinking about but uh really loved murray's commentary on stuff as well too oh man the whole the whole pirate piranha or the piranha poodle thing uh that whole puzzle was so cool to actually do i really loved it i i just absolutely love the fact that not only did you have to feed the piranha poodles uh the <laughs> the root beer uh in infused meat but then they tore apart the guard that was on break and then ran off with body parts so then you have to go around the actual island and find a body parts for the skeleton before you can use murray's head to be able to attach it there that whole puzzle was so cool i really really loved it and i thought they did such a good job of it um the whole kind of like showing you the gumball and stuff and how it works uh the prana poodles getting their their uh their revenge on the on the guard him getting his comeuppance it was just brilliant i just absolutely love that whole scene it was so well done and i i really gotta say the team they they the sea of the damned version of monkey island the puzzles are very reminiscent of the first game but they're not the first game puzzles that would be boring and i really love how they've done exactly what uh are some of the things that you had to do but in such a different way that feels fresh that i knew like okay we're probably gonna have to feed the poodles okay how do we do that and know that that there's a little ties to it but the way you go about it is so fresh. I just, I really love that. And for those of you that may not know, because I know that there's a handful of you out there um, that did not get a chance to play through the Monkey Island games. And I, I don't blame you. I understand like why, uh, but Voodoo, the, the, the root beer, <laughs> the root beer is, is there for a reason. It's not weird. It is a good reference. Uh, so, the root in root beer is actually based off of the voodoo root which the cannibals use to destroy ghosts so it was one of the things that was preventing the cannibals on monkey island on the first game uh from stopping lechuk they uh, lechuk had gone and actually stolen the last piece of the voodoo root and kept it locked away on his ghost ship uh in the heart of monkey island so once you actually retrieve that you bring it back to the cannibals and they they use the voodoo root to make uh, a, a a root beer that you can then use to kill uh ghosts and oh my god i i absolutely love this holy cow like getting to the end of the game after the mansion after you after you talk to guy brush which going to the mansion itself 
and and seeing the whole <laughs> seeing the mansion destroyed the way it is after you get into the mansion uh to steal the item from the in the first game seeing it in that state and seeing guybrush like locked up in his office playing with his toys that feels like space balls uh it's so great <laughs> it's so great to get the root beer because when you go down there and you get out of the mansion and lechuck pops up and he obviously shows his hand and he's like ha 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 there's no way that you uh that you fools could have stopped me i'm gonna conquer the sea of thieves uh and you you all helped me to do it you got i love the comment about how you all were tripping over yourself to deliver this sword to me uh to do anything for your pirate lord it was like oh it's so true we will literally do anything he tells us to do and it's stupid and i have to accept that um but i absolutely loved lechuck's entrance so cool such a good entrance man so well done too um but once you get the root beer bottles uh which i'm again i gotta go back i gotta i gotta i gotta take a step back and say um the (laughs) getting into the mansion and seeing Guybrush in, in through the window talking to himself about the history, you know, the, the, the retelling the story to himself with toys is so funny. And it's so ego driven that you feel bad for him and you barge in and then he tells you the story again and then he passes out. And it's like, it's just so funny because you go into the next room. He's constantly talking about how Elaine is sleeping, right? And you go into the next room And it took me the second time to click that the reason why he's saying that is because Elaine has gone into the room and said that she's going to sleep and she's underneath the covers in Guybrush's mind. She's sleeping under those covers. But when you pull back the covers, it's three monkeys and the three monkeys are guarding a key and a letter and they run off into the and they run off into the actual uh, chimney. And it's, again, another callback to the game. They've done such a good job with it. Otis talks about how hard it is to man a ship back to Melee Island that's crewed by a bunch of monkeys, which is a reference to um oh god what's his name tooth tooth rot i think it's tooth rot uh or, or oh, i can't think what the guy's name that was stuck on there but he wasn't even st- he wasn't even stuck there he could have gotten off if he really wanted to but anyway um there was uh the the a reference that he sent his ship back to melee to get rescued or to to have the monkeys manning the sh- manning his ship uh that he sailed off to go get help so that he could get off of monkey island instead of just taking the the shit it's so funny god the jokes in this are so good and i'm telling them badly it's out of context so it doesn't even really hit for you the way it hit for me when i played the games you guys gotta go play the game it's so good um even if you're sitting there with uh with a freaking um guide to go through it but anyway seeing the monkeys on the bed guarding the key in the monkey and then and laying laying there pretending to be uh elaine was so hilarious but you get the letter and you read it and it's like elaine again is a hundred percent on top of what's going on she realizes what's going on she's tried to convince Guybrush that it's all uh, a plot um that that lechuck has created to trap him in the sea of the damned and and marley is just like all right well I'm just going to go and and figure out how to take care of this because she does that every single game. And it's so 
great to see that kind of and, and she tells you in the letter like oh i've left you some root beer uh spritzers to to take care of the the you know look chuck if something happens right you know protect my guy brush and you get the spritzer rare has created this that needs to come into the game man you need to have root beer spritzers in the main adventure because oh my god these things are so much fun you can shake them and then you can squirt <laughs> ghosts with them. And can we talk about the ghosts real quick? I got to say the skeleton ghosts pirates that are in this game. We, I, I love our skeletons, but they pale in comparison to these ghost skeleton pirates. I love our phantoms. It's so great to see them, especially on the sea forts. I absolutely love sea forts. They're one of my favorite additions to Sea of Thieves. I love the conquistadors that are guarding uh, the, the 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 treasure that is in the sea forts for uh, Flameheart, which reasons we still don't i still don't really understand like why i guess it's because of the warring factions between the skeletons with the dark brethren and the warsmith versus uh flame heart and what skeleton factions are technically in control of the sea forts when those pop up maybe that's why the sea forts are there so much speculation i can't dive into right now because i want to talk about the fact that the skeleton ghost pirates from lechuck's crew not only represent what was in the first game perfectly but are so freaking cool man those guys are so cool i absolutely love those things i really i really 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 want them to come to see these i really want to see those guys uh start to be like a new enemy because not only did i love the fact that they were voiced but when you kill them with the root beer they like bubble up and explode and it feels like something that was first off it's perfect for the from the original game but dude it feels like it's like ghostbusters man you're going around spritzing these guys busting ghosts and it's so cool oh i don't know how they managed to do it with the effects team uh or the models how that all works out but dude it, it's it hits so perfectly if if a if the root beer hits a pirate in a specific area their bluish tint turns to an orange tint and if you hit them enough they drop to their knees and then bubble up and explode in a huge mess and it's just like the only thing they could have done that would have made this just just a, like the icing the cherry on top would have been every time that you're close to one that explodes a shower or like drips of of uh, uh like ectoplasm have to kind of like fall hit your screen the way you get hit in the face with like vomit like there needs to be orange goop that falls from your face as you as you like stand too close to them that is the only criticism i can levy against these things because they're so freaking cool i absolutely love these things oh my god um, and the root beer float was so freaking smart, man. They did such a good job and it's such a good, uh, a callback to the actual first game. Um, when, when, <laughs> when Guybrush is trying to save Elaine, who is not needing to be saved because in the first game, LeChuck was going to marry Elaine. They're in the church and you, all you see is, is, uh, the, the bride facing the, facing the front of the, um, the the altar uh and there's a ghost pirate there who's uh reading the reading out the uh, ceremony who's um done by i think robert paulson who's a fantastic voice uh and did a couple of the other ghosts in the game um but lechuck is sitting there and he's surprised because in the wedding gown is three white monkeys and it's just such a good 
such a smart callback, man. Just such a good callback because everything like everything that is referenced in this tall tale is technically a reference to the first game but it's tweaked and the the perfect explanation for why it's tweaked not only is it to just bring a freshness to the uh to the scenario because if you're a fan of the game and you play through the game you understand what to do and this changes that up but because everything is a slight twist on on melee island because it is the sea of the damned because it's a memory that is created from Guybrush's thoughts he's remembering everything the way that he wanted it to be remembered so his wife is fast asleep in the bedroom and the actuality of it was is that there's three monkeys probably the same three monkeys that were in the wedding dress in the scene in the first game uh hiding underneath the bed that are working for elaine uh that i just god man every every time i think about this stuff i just think that God, they did such a good job, such a good job. I cannot wait to play the rest of these tall tales because they've done such a an amazing job with this first one. Um, I don't even remember where I was going with that, but I remember just absolutely loving the entrance to LeChuck was fantastic. Killing the ghost skeletons in different ways with the spritzers, with the root beer and stuff like that. That was all so well done. I just, I gotta say the team absolutely killed it and it works flawlessly it really does this is the most polished content i've seen come out since a pirate's life it is clear that they tested and tested and tested they thought about the uh the breakdown the flow chart mike actually showed uh the the flow chart for the actual game like what was the process to get from thing to thing to thing what were the steps for each of the different puzzles based on the locations and the tools that you needed and it was clear that they had a really good idea about what they wanted to do with this and they thought they planned they worked through it and they kept it all secret until the announcement at the xbox showcase masterfully done especially with the games as a service situation too often things get leaked especially like shortly before they actually get announced we knew that there were hints of of obviously pirates uh, pirates of the caribbean being something that was um you know completely locked away for years and years and years we had heard that they were thinking about doing uh, monkey island after pirates of the caribbean especially because of the easter egg but to actually see like what they've designed with this first tall tale they the team at rare just absolutely destroyed this assignment like it's just it's so good to play through it is a hundred percent something that i think everyone should experience especially if you're not a fan of sea of thieves and you're a fan of monkey island this is a great way to play through the first game to an extent where you are going to have that same kind of feeling like you're going to have that same kind of uh kind of under like there's an understanding that these are are the same puzzles roughly but brought to you in a different way and it's fun to do that it's kind of fun to have those remixes oh oh one thing i forgot i wanted to talk about i was reading through the notes one thing i wanted to talk about that uh ties to LeChuck's entrance uh, entrance the introduction was amazing hands down one of the coolest like explosions and he just appears and he just taunts you right there as you're sitting there like ready to take on that last fight that climax the ending to the to the first tall tale i bet 
the guy that does the pirate lord voice had such a good time reading out these nasty recordings for the the tall tale because there's a point where uh lechuck transforms into um the pirate lord and kind of mocks you for you know being able to bring him the uh the sword of souls the corrupted sword of souls which we'll see about later on and stuff but I, I bet the pirate lord, the guy that does the voice of Ramsey, had such a good time reading those lines, just being nasty and, and, and just, you know, like really rubbing it in. You know, every time you talk to him, he's always like, the Sea of Thieves is the greatest thing on Earth. And I'm bringing everyone here because it's such a great place for everyone to have fun and stuff. And, and to hear him be nasty for once, <laughs> it's just I feel so good for him being able to be like, ah, oh, yeah, I get to be the bad guy for once. That's great. Um, the one other thing I think I wanted to touch on, and I talked to Mike quickly in DMs about this because I wanted to confirm whether or not I'm crazy or not, was uh, after you talk to Guybrush and you hear his story in the mansion, he passes out. And I guarantee you, this is something I didn't notice until I was playing solo. But there is a very soft trumpet that plays in the background. And it's it's the theme for Monkey Island. There's, you know, it's it's it is Monkey Island music. But the way that that trumpet comes in hits a core memory for me that harkens back to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where you see Eddie Valiant uh, go back to his office after he had shown Roger the photos of his wife playing patty cake with um, Acme. And that that soft trumpet is such a noir aesthetic for my brain. Like every time I hear that kind of like soft music, it just it it takes me right back. I might even int- I I might even put no nah, I can't I can't. It's probably DMCA. Oh, I hate that. I wish I could play the Valiant music for you because I absolutely love that song from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But I did get to talk to Mike about this because I really wanted to confirm it because it's such an it's it's such a good song for me. Um, that I I had to ask if it was a callback because it felt like there were so many callbacks, especially like if you talk to Smithy, he says, "Aren't you a little short for a pirate?" clear reference in my mind about like the you know star wars a new hope where uh luke opens up the the door to leia's cell and she goes aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper you know that's there's there's little reference like and if you don't believe like the clock tower striking midnight like you have to turn the clock back to you have to turn the clock ahead from 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock and when it strikes midnight you hear the 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 midnight uh 12 gongs from the actual clock tower 12 o'clock was when lightning struck the clock tower in back to the future that helped send marty back to the future um and and back to, to what was it 1985 uh and i and it's just it's 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 those little things that I'm like, is this a reference? Is is it a reference or am I th- like, have I gone full Ready Player One on this? Like, have I really started to just see like Halliday trying to put references to all of his favorite movies and everything that he does? Is that is am, am I am I making Chapman out to be Halliday in that he's he's putting like references to all of his favorite like movies uh, you know like uh, Goonies and, and Indiana Jones and Star Wars and uh Who Framed Roger like am I am I just doing this yes I am actually it's it's all just me he confirmed it's it's not Who Framed Roger Rabbit it is just a soft trumpet that is part of Elaine and, and Guybrush's theme for their wedding and I was just putting a little too much in there but there is something about 
a, a depressed man sitting in a chair behind his desk and in his, in his office and a trumpet sounding that just it just it, it's too noir for me man it's 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 just it goes right back to who framed roger rabbit and i absolutely love it and and even though that's not a reference i will always appreciate that scene specifically for that because i i actually really really just love the the connection that i've made between there and that's going to mean a lot for me in the future anytime i see roger rabbit i'll think of monkey island and every time i play through monkey island i'll think uh about roger rabbit and stuff like that so um i'm trying to think if there was anything else about the tall tale getting to talk to the voodoo lady was great i absolutely loved her whole her whole shop was a just beautiful they did such a good job with it i was a little bummed that there's not a, a hidden memory in there much like lookout point um gosh i think that was it uh the thriller walk by murray in the skeleton body hilarious i don't know who did it whoever you are the motion capture was spot on congratulations you deserve an an, an award for that because it was hilarious if it was hand animated whoever you are animators that worked on that like amazing absolutely amazing i really loved to the fact that npcs were kind of walking around and doing their thing it wasn't just like something happens you turn around and they're in a different place and it's just like them flipping a switch for them to move it's not like duke appears in one spot in the tavern and then next patch he appears in a different spot and there's 20 freaking dukes that are just switched on or off depending on what update it is and stuff they're actually moving they're pathing it's something that i'm really happy about i i really hope that that's something that will come to adventure sooner rather than later uh, much like the narrated dialogue that please just hire those actors to do that work and and do it in the game it will immensely enrich the 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 feeling of playing this game and being immersed in it the immersion factor will go way up all right, so I wanted to get into this just a little bit, but there was an Xbox Wire. Uh, there was a couple of interviews actually with Mike Chapman, and then Mike Chapman actually put out a uh, press release for the Legend of Monkey Island. But I wanted to talk one uh, specific section in one of the interviews once the Tall Tale had come out, uh, talking from Joe Scrubbles, who interviewed Mike Chapman. I thought this was really interesting, and I wanted to make sure that I got it in here that I didn't just kind of like tie it into the conversation I was already having, uh, because I think this is really important as far as what we're going to be seeing um, when it comes to like the future of Sea of Thieves and stuff. So having that uh, tall tale kind of be the impetus for this, I'm really excited about the future of Sea of Thieves. Um, goes in to talk about like some of the questions uh, was, uh, we've talked a lot about the story and locations, but will the gameplay here differ from classic Sea of Thieves 2? Is this a Sea of Thieves take on point and click? Uh, and Mike talks about how they had a great opportunity with Legend of Monkey Island to really rethink character interactions um, and having fully voiced cutscenes. Uh, when you talk to NPCs in the game, you're not just reading the text on the screen and all the interactions with the characters are fully voiced and have a back and forth with uh, questions that you post to them through that, um, creating a, like a really nice immersive thing. Um, they also talked about the importance to lean into the puzzle gameplay often seen in the Monkey Island series about how great it was that Sea of Thieves is already quite a physical world and how when you interact with things, it's a very tangible thing that you can do. Uh, and this giving them the opportunity to have here's item A and then you find item B. And when you then combine them, that gives you a way to interact with the world. Uh, using items and knowledge from NPCs means that there's a lot more focus on that physical puzzle solving aspect of the game. 
that is in intrinsic with the point and click adventure. And of course, this also gives them action set pieces where uh, you can still have like climactic moments in the tall tale um, built uh, around the core structures of the tall tale, but also built around playing uh, with interactions and in, in objects and mechanics in the world. Um, one of the things that Mike actually goes in to say is, is that the mechanics we've created for Legend of Monkey Island will share technology forward to the main sandbox. We've overhauled our NPC dialogue system so we can now have fully voiced actors that uh, and, and there's now AI pathing for NPC characters so characters can move around in the world freely operating under their own brain there's a little mechanical element as well uh we like we have we've added zip lines to these monkey island tall tales that he'd love to see uh, make their way to the shared world um stuff like that i think is really really going to be interesting to see what they do with that in the main Sea of Thieves games. And, and I, I specifically am looking to Port Merrick. Uh, Port Merrick is a thriving town compared to the rinky-dink outposts that we've had now. It is a full-fledged uh, like port. And with that, I do think that we need to have characters, much like we have in Monkey Island, a bolstering tavern, something that we've been wanting to see i've been wanting to see for years i've wanted to have like we always hear about uh the the stuff that's going on upstairs in the tavern there's always music playing there's always people talking and while you can find that in monkey island no better is it represented than in scum bar and i think things like scum bar while they will definitely have like the nostalgia or or like the uh, the shine of it being fresh dull over time i do think i want to have those moments uh in sea of thieves and i understand the the idea of of them wanting to leave tables open seats open so that you can have those experiences with other players in the tavern it makes sense in a shared world environment that they want to have opportunities for you to role play on your own without having to deal with npcs taking up spots around a table uh, but that being said I do think I would love to have, especially with Port Merrick, people walking around with bags of, of grain or people walking around carrying crates of, of uh, silk or, or cloth. Uh, you know, the occasional person dragging something uh, like a, another person across the, the ground who's just too you know blitzed out of their mind to to be able to walk anymore uh you know people rowing uh around the 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 actual outpost trying to get from place to place you know really really go far with this because as it is most of the time when you're playing sea of thieves you're running into other players and it's going to end one of two ways and it's heavily skewed to one way and that is sinking other players so the interactions that you have with other players genuinely um are not usually like the most friendly like you can usually sail up to folks uh, and talk to them but most of the time if someone has something they're either going to run or fight uh, it is that fight or flight and most of the time when they fight they're either going to sink or get sunk and you don't really have too much interaction with them beyond that so having a few npcs wandering around something like port american thanks to these new routing uh, or, or this new ai route system that they've created and having fully fledged like interactions dialogue with them that change from patch to patch to patch that coincide with events that are happening in the world i think it is very important that they aren't just static characters that they do change and evolve 
with the game as story is happening. So while things are quiet right now, sure, have a few people walking around talking about the latest uh, Monkey Island adventure or something like that. And then as things change, when Flame Heart comes back, have their dialogue change. Too often, we find that a lot of the NPCs in the stores are not reactive to anything that has been happening in Sea of Thieves. Um, a lot of them reference things uh, that that have, have just like it's it's so far past the timeline that it doesn't really make sense for them to talk about that. Um, I'd be very curious to actually go around and see if there are any NPCs on Port Merrick that actually still reference uh, the new Golden Sands outpost, or if there are other places that do reference uh, Golden Sands outpost still as that instead of Port Merrick. Um, I'm looking at Lorena. Uh, I actually am kind of tempted to go jump in the game and see if i can go check out uh or not lorena umbra um uh, go check out umbra and see if any of her dialogue has uh changed um or if there's been any change to the commendations to indicate the uh the secrets that are over at golden sands and now port merrick um continuity that's what i'm asking for uh living breathing world great let's make sure that the conversations that are being had with those npcs are contextual to uh, the 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 atmosphere that is happening as a result of the story that's being told in this shared live world. So I'm hoping for that. I'm really excited to see what they do. I think they've got uh, things set up right now that will be um, hopefully filtering back in. There are a lot of NPCs right now. Uh, I don't anticipate um, their dialogue to be brought into the game as fully voiced uh, because a lot of those NPCs that uh, are in the game right now are voiced by crew, uh, uh, rare staff. And to, to see if they're going to have that, I'd be very impressed if they brought all of those devs back in uh, or if they did try to like change some of them out and hire voice actors to be able to do uh, voices for that. Um, one of the nice things about hiring voice actors is that if you get a good enough voice actor, they can tend to modulate their voice enough uh, to be able to do multiple characters, um, additional characters, things like that, where it's not exactly the same voice as each other. Uh, they don't come in with just one voice. Many, many voice actors are talented enough to be able to have different characters uh, that they play, especially the really talented ones. Getting a few of them in, like they did with Monkey Island, um, especially from the Critical Role team, uh, would be would be a great boon to see if they used to be able to have many of the NPCs that we have right now who are voiced by staff uh, have like full fledged dialogue in their in their um, kind of chat screen. I don't even know what to call it, but whatever their whatever your interaction is with the characters to be able to talk with them. I'd love to be able to see that. I think that it, that would really, really do a lot to help kind of make people feel like the world is alive. All right, pirates. I think that's going to do it for this episode. I just realized how long this is. Um, so thank you to everyone who listened to last week's episode. Uh, thank you to everyone who enjoyed this episode. Um, if you guys can do me a favor, you don't have to. Most of you are already supporting. But if you have an opportunity, I'd love to uh, see if I can get some of that natural pro you know, promotion going with the, the podcast. Um, podcast has been doing good, but it's it's pretty 
it's pretty even as far as growth goes. And I feel like I, I, I really don't promote the podcast beyond just the initial episodes and stuff. So if you guys have an opportunity, um, it'd be great if those of you over on Apple could go check out the uh, review section for the podcasts, see if you've done a review. If you haven't, uh, that would definitely help out. Um, those of you on Google or on Spotify, there are rating systems there as well too. Uh, anything that you can do to help me out with that is always appreciated, never required, but I figured, you know, I don't really think about it too much. And this is just one of those moments where I was like, ah, you know what? I really should be better about the whole X, you know, promotion for, for Keelhauled. I do do it over on XEP when, uh, whenever we're finishing up an episode and stuff. But, um, if you guys have an opportunity to, to do any kind of, uh, ratings or reviews, things like that for, uh, Keelhauled, definitely appreciate it. Um, other than that, thank you to everyone that's reached out to me. Um, I know that there's a couple DMS that I've gotten on, uh, discord. I definitely appreciate you guys reaching out to me. Um, no worries there. Uh, I think that's it. I don't think I've gotten any emails, but if you want to send in an email, there's always the email, uh, C-A-P-T-L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. Um, until Twitter dies, it's, I'm going to be over there as well at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. I swear Elon is, is doing everything in his power to kill that application, which is a bummer because it's how I connect to most folks that aren't in a set discord community. It is just the general world that I can access and, and talk to people on. So it's really annoying that they're just messing with that so much. I really wish they wouldn't, but I'm going to be over there as well. Um, I'm also over on threads. Uh, that's like the only other app that I really use, which probably explains why I don't promote the show that much. Uh, but yeah, I'm over there. I'm also on threads uh, at, at C-A-P-T uh, L-O-G-U-N or underscore L-O-G-U-N. I don't think there's too many folks out there using L-O-G-U-N for Logan. I think I'm one of the few. So if you guys have any questions, concerns, feel free to let me know there elsewhere. Otherwise, it's going to be on the Discord. And uh, also, don't forget to Sherpas are uh, out there. You can always ping the Sherpas, tell them that you want help uh, with something. They will help you. That is why they they uh, volunteered to be a Sherpa. Um, additionally, uh, just a reminder as, as well, like next week, the 29th, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. British Summer Time. That is when the Ju July Gold Hoarder recording is happening. Uh, there are a lot of folks signed up. Not everyone always makes it. Um, but if you want to uh, come on to the podcast, if you've done the tall tale, I would love to hear some thoughts, some feelings. Uh, some memories that were unlocked, core memories created uh, for that episode for the Monkey Island Tall Tales. If you've played the games, if you haven't, have you had any interest in playing them as a result? So that that is your homework assignment, Gold Hoarders. I would love to get some thoughts on that. Um, additionally, if you guys have any questions, concerns, again, just check the show notes. It has a link to all of the uh, all of the the what are the socials, the links that you need to be able to get a hold of me as well. Um, and I think that's it. So pirates, thank you. I love you. And I look forward to sailing with you on the sea of thieves.